Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. Today we're going to be completing a message that we began last time, dealing with the events going on worldwide. We know that prophetically there are certain signs to look for that refer to the latter days. We know that Israel will be a nation again. Well, we see that very thing has happened May the 14th, 1948. We know that Jerusalem will be a controversial city over which all the nations of the world will be fighting over. Well, we see that very thing going on. We also know that there's going to be a call for globalism and global governance. Well, we see that going on this generation and this year specifically. I hope that you enjoy part two of the message that we began last time called The Rise of Global Government. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. As Daniel is writing that, who would you call saints? Jews. That's right. Seven years, that seven-year period, you might want to be here. I won't be. Feel free to hang around if you like. I plan to be gone during that period of time. And as you read Daniel and Revelation specifically, there is a final seven-year period within which God will finish His punishment and the purification of Israel. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the 70 years was multiplied times seven, and it was determined upon, remember, gavel being hit, 70 weeks are determined upon who, Daniel? Who's Daniel's people? And upon thy holy city. To wrap it all up, anoint the Messiah in the most holy place, and according to Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, and establish God's kingdom uh, here on the earth. Now, during this seven-year period of time, it says that these ten will be given a brief period in which they have power. I personally see two wars left. By the way, I'm going to finish this. I've got more to do, but we're going to finish this in 11 minutes, so I'm just going to crash land right now. I see two wars left biblically. I see it in Ezekiel 38 and 39, what we call the Battle of Gog and Magog. What's interesting about that is it's very specified combatants. It says they're going to come together. Five-sixths of this invading force is going to be destroyed miraculously on the hills of Israel. But it says that Jesus doesn't show up on the Mount of Olives in this battle. In fact, it says that the Jews will burn the weapons for seven years after this concludes. And says it'll take some, what, six or seven months to clean up the land. And they'll have to bring in crews in order to do so. And it says that, that uh, after that period of time, there will be a call for peace. I think of World War I. After World War I, we had the advent of the League of Nations. After World War II, we had the advent of the United Nations. I see a coming battle and that it concludes there will be a call for peace. 
and there will be the super politician that's going to bring it in. Of course, he's not going to be the lone man. There's going to be a group that's behind him. It's really his power. I see the first call, peace, peace. I see disarmament, folks. Every time you see a socialist dictator go into power, it, it is without exception. First thing they want to do is disarm the people for your own safety. Oh, aren't these shootings terrible? Oh, oh, it's just, you know, we just need, all we need is the law enforcement with guns, and we just need to disarm everybody. And then the very next thing they do is they take out everybody that is in opposition to them. You look at, 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 at Russia, you look at China, you look at uh, Germany, you look at uh, Cuba, you look at Cambodia, any and every totalitarian. I personally see that in Revelation 6. I see this super politician coming to power, promising peace. I see then war and death. Then you see hyperinflation. See, I'll work at one day's work for one day's worth of food and a little shelter over your head. Folks, that's not a free market. That's what you call slavery. If you work one day today, we'll give you enough scraps to get by. And then you see that fourth horseman, what we call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You see death. 25% of the world's population will die according to what it says in Revelation chapter 6. After that, you see this vision in heaven where John looks and sees the souls of martyred saints beneath the throne, or beneath the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the throne crying out, How long, O Lord, are you going to put up with this? Vengeance! Lord says, not yet. But you see the line of the tribe of Judah beginning to awake and shake in his mane as you see earthquakes, volcanoes, and natural disasters take place on planet Earth. And you see the kings of the earth trying to hide themselves from the face of the wrath of the Lamb of God. The book of Revelation details seven seals, details seven trumpets, details seven plagues. Like childbirth, over the course of seven years, each gets worse in intensity, and more frequency in occurrence. Initially, natural, explainable disasters, like earthquakes. By the time you get to the end, folks, there's no explanation. If you're a literalist, which I am, say, Pastor, what do you mean by a literalist? Well, I literally believe that God divided the Red Sea, and the Jews walked through it on dry land. I really am sucker enough to believe that. And I really believe that God turned the Nile River into blood. Amen. And I don't think it just had a red hue or red tan. Or I think it was blood. And I really believe that three days and three nights after Jesus went into the tomb, the stone was rolled away and he had risen from the dead. Amen. I am that crazy as a literalist. I really believe that stuff. And in Revelation, it talks about not only natural events, it talks about supernatural events. Well, it talks about intense heat. It talks about intense darkness. It says that every nation, every sea on the planet will be turned into blood. And the rivers turned into blood. Now, folks, we, can, we may be able to survive maybe 40 days without food, but no man can survive more than a couple of days without water. I believe that when that wrath is poured out, it's going to be right at the very end. But in the middle of this thing, it's divided into two parts. Three and a half years at the midpoint talks about a war in heaven. It says that Satan is tossed out for the last time. 
Bible also talks about in Revelation chapter 13, one of these heads receiving a wound with a sword and a death. I personally lean to the idea that this super politician, Mr. Mr. Big Pants, Mr. Too Big for His Britches, initially the front man, front man for the, for the, I'm just saying, the George Soros, Rockefeller, Gates type of group, the ten Malek kings. He's the front man doing their bidding. But he gets more and more power. He thinks more of himself, and then he becomes the boss. They don't like it. Try a rebel. Assassination attempt. Doesn't work. Three of them are done away with. And at that point, the Antichrist will be indwelt by Satan himself. And for the last three and a half years, Things will increase. In fact, that is one of the most documented times anywhere in the Bible. Through Daniel, through Revelation, it says 42 months. 42 months. It says 1,260 days. It says a time. By the way, a Jewish time is a year from Passover to Passover. A time, times, and the dividing of a time. Three and a half years. Time and again talks about this last three and a half years, including what we've covered today this last three and a half years. Things will continue to get so bad and continue to be so bad. And it talks about the earth dwellers continuing to curse God. There will be some that become followers. Because the gospel will be preached by 144,000 apostle poles. And two crazy witnesses that are going to be preaching in the temple court. I wish I had their power says when adversaries showed up with them, they could just call down fire from heaven and take care of them. Come in handy at times. <laughs> but even at the end of this, there will be a demonic invasion. Talks about these creatures that can be described as nothing else but demonic. People try to describe them as military instruments. Things I do not. I think it's demons out of, out of the heart of the earth. I think it's those demons that are held there right now that were guilty of, of the, the violence that took place leading up to the, the flood. And this demonic invasion will draw the nations of the world together against Jerusalem. One last hope that Satan has to win. Hosea 5 seems to indicate that the Lord will not return for Israel until they cry out, Blessed be the name of the Lord. In fact, Jesus even said that. You'll not see me again when he left just before he gave the Olivet Discourse. He says, You'll not see me again until you cry out, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think Satan still thinks he can win if he wipes out the Jews entirely. If the nation of Israel only served the purpose of birthing the Messiah, I don't know why Satan hates them so much still. I mean, time and time and time and time again trying to wipe them out, including you know, in, in Nazi Germany. And look at the world right now. Why does the world hate Israel? I mean, out of the entirety of the Middle East, they have a little bitty sliver of land. Everything around is Muslim. But they hate Israel. Now, folks, if I am right, if I am right, if I'm wrong, then the world's just going to get better and better and better until the Messiah returns. If I'm right, the world is going to become more perilous. There will be a day when there is actually a literal nation of Israel again. In case you hadn't noticed, that's already happened. 
Jerusalem will be the center of controversy over which the world argues, and they will attempt to divide the land. And the last most significant thing I can see is the development of the call for global government. When I've seen what we've done over the last couple of weeks, I recognize that God was right when He calls us sheep. We are incapable of thinking. We just panic and run in a certain direction. He can just stampede us in any direction. And I'm amazed at how quickly we will give up our unalienable rights for the hope of safety. I mean, I really have been stunned at how quickly the church has folded over the last couple of months. I mean, we even fell for it to some degree, but we were trying to honor our governor and our president, and just in case, you know, we wanted to, we wanted, we supported them both, we wanted to honor them. I was kind of suspicious of the intensity of this whole thing. I thought, I really thought it was overblown, and it's shown to be. But what do we see? Former Prime Minister of England, The Guardian, calling for global government to tackle the coronavirus. We got Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation wanting to have global, trying to have seven, what is it, billion vaccines. Now, folks, have I missed something? It is, isn't the COVID crisis past us? I thought it was past. I mean, we're rioting in the streets now. And there's no social distancing for that. Everything seems to be okay. It's amazing how quickly that went from being a front-page story to not being a story at all. And it seemed to all happen coincidentally right after uh, Senator Biden made the statement that if you can't figure out you're supposed to vote for me, then you're not really black. That wasn't received well. He was getting some bad press. And the next thing you know, there's a new news story. In fact, that wasn't reported at all, hardly in the news. But why is there a need for 7 million vaccines when I thought it was over? You know, even Fauci said he's not expecting a second wave. And we're in Oklahoma. We never saw the first wave. Even Fauci made the statement a week ago that now if you wear a mask, it's basic. Now, not for everybody, because we have some people that are, that are elderly and have their immune systems down. You know what, folks? When I was at MD Anderson all those weeks of my treatment, there were always some people that wore masks. You know who it was? Those people that had deficient immune systems. That's smart. If your immune system's down and you're susceptible, I'd wear a mask. I'd wear it whether there was COVID-19 or not. I wouldn't want to catch the flu. I wouldn't want to catch the cold. I wouldn't want to catch anything. In fact, before COVID-19 was ever heard of, those people were wearing masks at MD Anderson. Why? Because their immune system was down. But Fauci made the statement two weeks ago that that if you're wearing a mask now, it's largely symbolic. So why is there a need for 7 million vaccines? Of course, control is one. Also, it's a whole lot of money. Think of the guy that owns the patent on those vaccines. 7 million doses. Those aren't free, baby. And then what's that? What, I just grabbed a couple of these. By the way, there's, there's an endless supply of them. Oh, Gates and Fauci. Uh, let's see. If they had their way, you'd need an immunity card to move about freely. Yeah, have you heard about that? That's that, social, that tracing deal. We want, to have, we want to be able to track where you're going. Folks, all this is eerily similar. Oh, by the way, unless you have your card, you cannot come into this place of business or go into that place of business or enter here or do that or buy or sell at this grocery store. Boy, that sounds interesting too, does it not? It's preparing 
humans. It's not there yet. Let me tell you, the mark of the beast, nobody will take the mark. By the way, we won't be here. The bride of Christ will not receive the wrath of the Lamb unless Jesus is a wife beater. But this will be poured out, but, but they're preparing, and, and no one will see them. The mark of the beast is a sign of identification. It's a sign of ownership. It is a pledge of allegiance. Nobody will just accidentally take it. But notice the preparation of the mind. In fact, if you read about this, not only the cards are inconvenient, so they're figuring out ways where we can have it on an app or you can carry it on your phone. They're even discussing a, a permanent dye not visible unless it's under ultraviolet light. Great job preparing. But folks, can you see the signs of the times? Say, Pastor, are you just looking to escape? Well, yeah, kind of. But, uh, but here's the deal. Here's what this should do. This should motivate us. should motivate us to action. One, we're supposed to occupy until the Lord comes. We've got to be busy about His business. We've got to be fighting this evil. God likes nations. He doesn't like global government. Man always, you know, concentration of power always ends up badly. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, you Christians. In fact, I want you to stand against it. So as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to stand against sin and evil and wickedness. And I hope and pray. By the way, there's a man that knows persecution. You want to you find yourself, by the way, I spent the last eight days uh, forbid from being on Facebook. But it was for my well-being because they were afraid somebody had hijacked my account because there were these posts going out giving the actual statistics of people that have died because of the COVID-19. I mean, all I was doing is quoting the CDC and facts, but apparently that was dangerous to do. So I was, stop it. Man in the back. He's constantly, Stephen Black. Folks, if you speak out against the LGBT... Now, here's a man that used to be a homosexual. He was not born that way, but the lust of the flesh drew him into what the Bible calls a great sin. But about 35 years ago, how many years ago was it? 38 years ago. Longer than I've been alive. Stephen was born again and saved out of that lifestyle. Now been married for how long? 34 years. You know what? That's a great... That's a, what's that? To a woman. Yeah. <laughs> My mind still, that goes without saying, Stephen. But folks, that's a story that should be trumpeted. But you know who's, one of, who's probably the only man in this room that's more hated than I am? It's him. Laura, maybe. Or where, where is she? I saw her earlier. I know she's here somewhere. Oh, there she is. She is. I promise you. There's this cup. What's that? Charlie. Char- oh, yeah. We didn't know. Well, we don't like Charlie. But. <laughs> but you want to talk about suppression of speech? You want to talk about hatred? Boy, it's out there. Folks, these are exciting days. You know, there had to be that terminal generation. There had to be that generation of Christians that was alive, that was at work on the front lines when all of a sudden in the midst of the battle, the trumpet sounds and we're called home. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to stop living. Quite the contrary. We're supposed to live life to the glory of God. Get married, have children, raise your families, work hard, go to college, plan a career, serve the Lord day by day, glorify God, occupy until He comes. But the reality is, folks, this should let us know when you see everything that's going on, it's getting late. You know what? In the game of football, if we were behind seven points and looked up at the clock and it was still the first quarter, I wasn't worried. We were down three points and it was halftime, I wasn't worried. If we were down three points, there was a minute to go in the game, there was a little more sense of urgency. You know what I mean? We ought to feel a sense of urgency. Whether that means the rapture is coming tonight or the rapture comes in 10 years or 20 years, I believe when you see things working, you see all this stuff, I don't believe it's actually. I said this on May 3rd. I find it ironic that every American president we have had since, since Eisenhower, I take that back, I think Kennedy was probably a pretty good president. I wouldn't have voted for him because I was a Republican, but I think he was taken out because he didn't play the game. I think he's pretty good in a lot of ways. But you got every one of these other presidents, from George H.W. Bush, who I voted for being a Republican, and he was a loser. But he was a less of a loser than the guy he was running against. But, uh, but he called for, uh, what, a New World Order. Then you had Bill Clinton, huge proponents of the New World Order. Then you had W. Again, daddy's son. Good guy, good old boy. I liked him in a lot of ways, but New World Order, globalist. Then you had Barack Obama. Folks, his dad was a communist. That's not a rumor. His dad was a card-carrying communist. His mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, was a communist. I, 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 I don't dislike the guy. I don't like his politics. I'm a free market um, capitalist. I believe in freedom. His upbringing is not that way. But he really advanced. In fact, did a, apologize for how terrible America is. And don't you know... All America is is we've stolen everything that we have, and it's not really ours, and it's just, you know, we're... But all of a sudden, in the midst of all this, call for integrating America into globalism. 2016, we had a goofball run for president. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I thought, who in the world? He will never get elected. I wouldn't vote for Trump if he's the only one on the map. And then I started looking at what he stood for. It's like, oh, I like that. I like free. I like that. You know what? He gets into office. He has done more for us. He spoke at the March for Life. Not one president is there. He has been the most pro-life president we have ever had. We have got a... The Republican-controlled Congress would not repeal the Johnson Amendment. So he issued an executive order, said, Hey, you pastors, you're not going to be harassed while I'm president. Boy, that's good. Of course, I did it. I did it anyway. But it sure is nice to know that they're not going to come after me at least for another six months. You know, every president has said, "We ought to have our embassy in Jerusalem." And then once they're elected, for some reason, that's too hard to do. President Trump just said, "Why is this hard? Here, here's a move it." Wow, that was easy. And I got to tell you. You want economics doesn't see skin color. Economics sees effort and hard work. 
And you know what? If you don't have a, if you if you finish high school, you you stay married, and you don't have a child before you get married, and you get a job, you got a pretty good chance of turning out well in life. But if you go through multiple divorces, you start punching out kids when you're 15, you don't finish high school, chances are you're not going to do very well in life. And guess what? It's nobody's fault but yours. Our timer stopped a long time ago. I want you to know it doesn't work for me. I don't think it was a coincidence that in the midst of this economic boom, when our stock market was all-time high, unemployment at all-time low, because the policies of this president actually worked. He's not a central planner to where the government has to control everything. Now, he's still not perfect. There are things he can do better, a lot of things he can do better, but the freedom allows people to prosper. And when we prosper, we all prosper. How many of you like having chocolate candy? You know, 100 years ago, only the rich people had chocolate candy. We couldn't afford it. Now it's made available. How many of you like flat-screen televisions? Yeah, that's pretty handy. You've got to probably have 11 of them at your house. I've got two of them in a closet, for crying out loud. Well, you know, when those things first came out, they were like $10,000. Now you can buy like a 70-inch flat-screen television for like 600 bucks. You know why? That's the free market. You've got people trying to improve their lives, providing a service to improve your life, Better quality product at a lower price, and we all prosper. In the midst of Mr. Make America Great Again, all of a sudden, we have what we're at, and our response has been what it is. Folks, don't be surprised. This is just a sign of the times. Do right. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Every day, do the right thing. Honor the Lord, serve the Lord. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's where it begins, right there. You know what? We're going to end with that. And sorry, we have just been, boy, it's fun. I like church. But do you see, do, do you see things happening? And I'm not cherry-picking. I'm not headlining. I'm not, but I'm saying, wow, sure is interesting. Not going to change my life dramatically. I'm going to serve the Lord faithfully the best of my ability. I'm going to be the best husband I can be, the best, best father I can be. See my kid get, my youngest kid get married in two weeks. Try to continue to make a living, pay my bills. I'm going to try to glorify God. You know, I'm going to try to see people saved. And I'm going to stand against socialism and, and, and atheism. So I'm, that's, all, that's my strategy. And when the Lord comes, He comes. If, he doesn't come, if I die first, then I die first. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. But folks, I just wanted us to see what's going on. Stuff that is going on should get your attention, should get our attention. And the next time the next crisis happens, God willing, we won't be caught flat-footed. And hopefully we'll have an, an influence on the larger body of Christ where the body of Christ won't be caught flat-footed. We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, may God bless you. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, 
www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.